Welcome back, beloved, to part three of my Oils of the Bible series. So far in parts one and two, we've addressed the concerns that essential oils might be new age, as well as gave a basic education and biblical history of how oils were used for healing in ancient times. And then in part two, we covered how it was actually God's idea to create oil blends. And we took a deep dive into the historical and modern uses of oils, plus the prophetic telling of Jesus through the oil-producing plants in the Bible. If you didn't get a chance to check those two out, go back and listen to part one and part two. The abundant evidence in the Bible helps to clarify all of this. And so in this final episode of the series, in part three, I just want to tie it all up in a pretty bow for you. Go deeper into three more ancient oils and how God uses the timing and prophetic evidence in scripture to create many opportunities to point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Let's dig in. Welcome to the Covered Beloved podcast, where we choose to live faith-infused, holistic lifestyles while nourishing and renewing our minds to experience the depths of God's love for us. Hey there, I'm Heidi Brom world changer, and mom on a mission to bring a whole new level of health and wellness to your home. As a decade-long essential oil advocate, self-proclaimed personal and kingdom development junkie, and your holistic lifestyle strategist, I believe that when God created the earth, he didn't leave us without solutions, that he created us to be healthy and whole, and that he's covered each and every one of us as mothers with his protection, grace, and wisdom on how to live our most healthy, happy, and joyful lives. Are you ready? It's time to become the healthy home mom God created you to be, because he's got you covered, beloved. Let's dig in. The first oil I want to talk about is myrrh. We talked about frankincense in part two, and so you kind of can't talk about frankincense unless you talk about myrrh, especially when you're referring into scripture. Um, So myrrh is a resin oil like frankincense, and it's extracted from the myrrh tree. Trees have this natural ability to heal themselves from injury. So when they're damaged, they create this type of bandage. It's an aromatic gum It's very sticky and it's called a resin and it covers the damaged bark. This reaction protects them from invading insects and can inhibit disease. Resinous oils like these have been used for thousands of years for mood enhancement, immune support, pain management, circulation, infection, inflammation, and more. It takes about three quarters of a pound of myrrh resin to make one 15 milliliter bottle of essential oil. It's native to Somalia. Myrrh has one of the highest levels of these special compounds. They're called sesquiterpenes, and these can actually cross the blood brain barrier. There are not a lot of modern medicines or medicinal type things that can cross the blood-brain barrier. So this is actually kind of a cool thing. It's noted many places in scripture, including Genesis, Exodus, Esther, of course. This is one of the ones she used in her preparation. Psalm, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Matthew, Mark, John, and Revelation. But it was first mentioned as a principal ingredient in the holy anointing oil given to Moses. (laughs) 
Remember I told you that blends were God's idea? Okay, so this goes back to um, when God told Moses to take a little bit of myrrh and cinnamon and cassia and calamus and olive oil, and he made this sacred anointing oil blend called the holy anointing oil. The main purpose of that blend was to sanctify or set apart. So we can see the parallels there with us, right? Being sanctified and set apart through Christ. But it could also be used as a holy ointment and an ointment compound for healing. Historically, myrrh was used in religious rituals and embalming. It was used to soften the skin. It was burned as incense during childbirth applied to umbilical cords to prevent infection, and it was also used for postpartum depression. There's a reason why the wise men brought myrrh to little Jesus and his mom. Okay, of course, they didn't bring it in this pretty little bottle. Actually, we don't know if they brought the resins or the oil, but the fact remains that these were considered very valuable at that time in history. Ancient records show that myrrh was deemed so valuable at times that it was valued at its weight in gold. And it was also valuable during labor and delivery and after birth for both mom and baby. So let's just get ourselves and our minds set back to the time of Mary. Do you think Mary could have used a little support after giving birth? <laughs> let's see. She was about 14 when she got pregnant, right? How many of you were ever a 14-year-old girl at one point in your life? There was hormonal challenges and changes going on right there, right? On top of that, she was also 14 and dealing with the fact that she was pregnant. Plus, there's problems in her relationship because Joseph didn't exactly believe her that she had not been with another man. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was going to put her away quietly, so we know he didn't believe her. And how else we know was that God had to send the angel Gabriel to Joseph and say, hey, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. She's not been with another man. However, the angel didn't go to the rest of the town to tell them, right? So now she's probably humiliated because everybody's talking about her, all the whispers that are going on in her town, right? She's maybe even outcast in her community because of all this. They didn't get the memo that this was a work of God. They didn't, they're not on the same page with the Holy Spirit. And if that's not enough, she now has to take this long trip while pregnant, riding a donkey. Can you even imagine? I could not even imagine. It's 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and she's pregnant on a donkey making that journey. Then when it came time to deliver, she had to have the baby in less than ideal circumstances. Do you remember planning your birth? Did you have a birth plan? I know I did. I had an idea. I took the time, man. I was checking the boxes. Yep, I want this. Nope, I don't want that. I knew exactly what I wanted that delivery to look like. What about planning your baby's nursery? Did you have a vision for that? When the baby was born and you got back home and you were going to place him in his room and his perfect little crib, right, that you spent all this time and love and effort creating for him or her. I'm not sure if Mary ever got disappointed, but I can only imagine she did because she's human. And I mean, it's baby Jesus, right? So she probably wants everything to be perfect for him. Okay, so Mary has the baby and probably thinks, oh, good, we're done. Like the end. You know, she might have been dealing with some postpartum issues from all of that other stuff up till this point, but at least they could be done now. They could rest and they could take a break. But no, that was not the case because to top it all off, the king wants to kill her baby. And so now they have to run away. They can't just rest and be there and enjoy their baby. This has not been an easy thing, Mary saying yes to God at age 14. And so 
the Lord, in all of his tender mercy, love, and grace, sends her myrrh oil. He's taking care of her and her baby. He's saying, like, I have not forgotten about you, Mary. <laughs> this is for you. All right. Myrrh has been used for centuries for its internal uses, but it's also great for external health. It's very beneficial to the skin for promoting a smooth, youthful-looking complexion, as, again, in the case with Queen Esther, this was a ritual oil that she used for her preparation. In scripture, you can read about that. You can add one to two drops to your daily moisturizer to soften and brighten your skin. We love to use myrrh for oral health. My favorite toothpaste has essential oils in it, including myrrh, and this is what makes it great for sensitive gums. It cleanses the mouth, and it's great to incorporate into your daily oral hygiene routine. You can add one to two drops to your toothpaste. You can apply it with a Q-tip if you have particular areas on your gums that are sore, or you can just put a drop or two in two ounces of water and use it as a mouth swish, rinse, or gargle. It's great for skin healing. Um, it's excellent on cuts and wounds. It's actually excellent at supporting the closure of open wounds, both physically and emotionally. So if you didn't know, like essential oils don't do our emotional work for us, but they on a chemical and biological level can support our body systems to help prepare us to do that emotional work. But we, we used myrrh on our baby's umbilical cords to help them fall off and heal. We call this one liquid band-aid as it helps keep the germs out. That's why the smell of myrrh will always bring me back to my babies because we used it so much. That's what it reminds me of. But you can use it on your cuticles if they're dry and need moisture, on cracked lips, on dry winter skin, on your kids' cuts and scrapes, or even on diaper rash. And we recently used myrrh. I mentioned the oral health. My daughter, she's 17, she had her wisdom teeth removed. And so we used myrrh to help clean and heal the wounds in her mouth. We dropped them on the gauze pads each time we changed them. Um, I applied with a Q-tip daily for aftercare, along with some other oils like clove and other good copaiba. That one was amazing, actually. And also had her gently swish from side to side with the myrrh and water after she did her salt water rinses. So just that, that healing in the mouth, like it looks amazing right now. Other uses for myrrh are ovarian irregularities, bad breath and gum problems, which I kind of talked about, jock itch, athlete's foot, and so much more. Tons of things you can use myrrh for. Uh, diffusing. We love to diffuse. You can mix it with a floral or a citrus oil just to kind of help relax and relieve tension in the room or to help promote emotional balance again and help uplift the mood. It is a thicker oil, so you're going to need to either put it in your pocket or if you're a woman, you can tuck it between the ladies in your bra and just kind of help warm it up so it comes out easier. And if you work with someone that has a properly tested and sourced myrrh, you can take this one internally for health benefits as well. And so again, we can see the telling of Jesus through this oil-producing plant as it was a gift brought to him as a child. As I shared in episode four, it was used in the wine that's offered to dying criminals as a way to help anesthetize the pain from the brutal execution on a cross. And we saw this in Mark 15, 23, when Jesus was being led away to be crucified and just before placing him on the cross, the soldiers offered Jesus wine mixed with myrrh. So it's foretelling of that. The next oil we have, I'm actually going to cover two oils. The last two oils I'm going to cover together because their experts don't agree on this. Okay. So spike nard. The nard that Mary 
used, as mentioned in John 12.3, may have been spikenard, but it may all have also been lavender. The verse reads like this. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Okay, perfume. So first of all, have you ever smelled spikenard? I wouldn't exactly use it as a perfume. It smells very earthy and musty. To me, it actually seems to have like this hint of blueberries. So it's not bad. It's just not what I would think of as a perfume. So I'm going to propose that this costly perfume that she used to anoint the feet of Jesus and wipe with her hair was likely lavender and here's why. And I want to make sure I give credit and mention again to Rachel Lee Carter for her work here. But many researchers claim that 2,000 years ago, lavender was actually called nard, according to the Greeks. And we know that the accounts in the New Testament were originally written in Greek or Aramaic. And so lavender was simply um, nard. It was referred to as nard from the Greek name for lavender, which is nardus, after the Syrian city Narda, where it was derived. Lavender is calming to the nervous system. Think about that. So she's putting oils on his feet. We know that Jesus suffered great anxiety immediately prior to his betrayal by Judas, as it was written in Luke twenty-two forty-four. It says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So lavender was known to be calming. It has sedative properties. It was able to lower blood pressure by dilating the arteries. So it kind of makes a lot of sense now. You can see how Lavender would have been helpful here as she was anointing him because she didn't have any idea what was going to happen, but God did. Lavender, if you look at the properties, it's a coagulant, and it was commonly used to stop bleeding on contact. Was he going to bleed? Yeah. It would have been used for the care and cleansing of skin irritations and lacerations and bruising. And Romans commonly use lavender for cleansing. The word lavender is derived from the Latin word lavare, which means to wash or cleanse. So we can see prophetically how her act of worship points to Jesus's coming anxiety and beatings and lacerations and bruising and bleeding. And she was preparing him before it would take place. And where did she put it on Jesus? She put it on his feet. And where do we use oils? On our feet. That is one way we use oils topically is on the feet because it's the least sensitive area of skin on the body. And so I told you that the Bible teaches us how to use them. How cool is that? But we can see here how like God sends her, right, to prepare him. How good is that? He's a good father. So we can see how it foreshadows what was going to happen. So the timeline here is six days after Mary anoints Jesus, he and his 12 disciples come into Jerusalem. And that evening, Jesus ate an early evening Passover meal with his disciples. And on the seventh day after his anointing by Mary, Jesus would be crucified. And seven is the number that represents completion and perfection. It is finished. Ah. We can't be sure whether or not this was a mixture, um, whether it was lavender, whether it was spikenard, you know, but we can see the timing and the prophetic evidence of lavender, especially as the New Testament was written in Greek. 
We may not even know until we get to the other side of heaven, right? But we will figure it out then. The, the thing that's fascinating to me is that scripture tells us this. And it's, it's so the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. And so we can see it. We can see it in several of the texts. From Cyprus and the ark to the gift of frankincense and the gift of the finished work on the cross to Mary's anointing of Jesus. And that God uses many opportunities to point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He'll even use plants to carry out his eternal message of hope. You know, the Bible says that the Pharisees went to Jesus and said, you need to silence your disciples. And he says, if I were to silence them, even the rocks would cry out. So if the rocks will cry out, why not the plants? Why not the oils? It's amazing. Let's talk about the modern uses of spikenard. So spikenard is a flowering plant of the valerian family. It's a root oil. It's native to the Himalayan mountains. It's wild crafted and harvested at an elevation of 12,000 feet. So it takes three days to make this climb up to where these plants are. And it takes uh, about 15 to 20 days to harvest the plants. And this is where sourcing comes in. We have to talk about our good sourcing model here. So a good sourcing model will have the gatherers replant at least 10% of the shoots in order to replenish forest resources. Spikenard essential oil nowadays is steam distilled from the root of the plant after they've dried for several days. It's been valued for centuries. It's been used traditionally to anoint people of high honor, and it's been used in the health practices of India. It promotes clean and healthy skin and is commonly used for relaxing massages. And for this oil in particular, I want to go back to sourcing. Just I'll hit this a little bit here. A good essential oil company will voluntarily, systematically, and enthusiastically comply with the convention on international trade and endangered species. So this is CITES. It, they have recommendations. It's C-I-T-E-S. And, they, you know, they have restrictions because they provide the international agreement between the governments to ensure that the trade on these species doesn't threaten their survival. One major essential oil company that's been in the industry for almost 30 years was found to be intentionally and illegally trafficking spikenard oil in violation of the Lacey Act and the Endangered Species Act. And they were sentenced to pay $760,000 in fines, restitutions, and community service and ordered to implement a comprehensive corporate compliance plan and put on probation for five years. So this is kind of a big deal. In addition, a good oil company will have at the core of their mission principles that ensure a mutually beneficial agreement with these suppliers and have these partnerships that create sustainability in the communities, you know, like income streams for the harvesters and distillers, especially in the remote areas, because this is kind of the only option they have for creating an income, but also in the rural areas for community development projects. So if we can first take care of the people and the plants that so generously provide this healing oil for us, they will be able to take care of us and keep producing for generations. So good business is good for everybody. All right, the chemistry of spike and iron is very unique. So most oils have four to six main compounds that make up the majority of their chemistry. But in spikenard, nearly 97% of the compounds are unique. So this just means like there's a lot going on in this little oil, right? That means that there's a very, it's a vast chemistry. It's a, what we would call a broad use oil, which means it's good for just about everything. Creates a nice synergy. It enhances 
other oils, so you want to like mix it with other oils. It has deep cleansing and clarifying properties. It's great for cognitive health, for cellular renewal, for endocrine balancing. It's antibacterial, antifungal, anti-inflammatory. It can be used as a laxative for athlete's foot, inflammation, nervous disorder, skin care, UTIs, wound care, like you name it. You can apply one drop topically with a wood or floral oil, and this is just going to support dry, irritated skin. So you can use it with a hydrating cream or even a facial cream if you want to apply it to your face. You can mix it with a drop of lime or eucalyptus and just apply it topically over your chest for respiratory support. Or you can combine it with peppermint or citrus oils, whichever you prefer, if you want to either uplift your mood or relax your mood. Again, it's really great for brain support. So if you have memory or focus issues, you can apply this topically on the brain stem. Or if you just want to diffuse it while you're doing your Bible study or reading scripture, you can, again, you don't have to diffuse it alone. It's better with other oils. And so you can increase the benefits of the other oils when you add in some of your citrus oils or your floral oils. I personally like to diffuse frankincense, bergamot, clary sage, and spikenard together, especially at bedtime. It's amazing. Okay, let's cover some uses for lavender. And so (laughs) lavender is the Swiss army knife of oils. It can be used for just about anything. I mean, the list literally is so extensive. People think of it for anything relaxing, right? It's all things calming. For sleep, it's good for skin like burns, bug bites, nosebleeds, rashes, cuts, headaches, stress, anxiety, teeth grinding, focus and concentration. Again, anything for skin like sunburns uh, in your kitchen if you burn your hand you know forget the ice go right for your lavender you always want it on hand it's good for allergies blood pressure hay fever sprains cuts wounds blisters everything (laughs) it's an adaptogenic oil which means it works with the body to help balance and this is why for some people lavender might give them energy and for others it will relax them It can help, again, relieve stress, anxiety, insomnia. It's good for bug bites. It has that natural antihistamine property that's really soothing for allergies and mucous membranes and sinuses, all of that good stuff. So you can add a drop of lavender to your mascara to make your lashes long and full and so they don't fall out as much. You can apply it around your eyes to keep from itching during those times of seasonal change or high pollen times. I would just apply around the eye on the brow bone and cheekbone. Be careful not to get in your eye. You can mix it with frankincense and peppermint with a little bit of aloe in a spray bottle. That's a great after sun spray. And our favorite is for our littles and even for me too sometimes. I like to layer it with frankincense and peppermint if I get a headache. So remember, not all essential oils can be considered safe for internal consumption. So, you know, they can't be considered pure, unadulterated, third-party tested and validated, properly packaged, cultivated and distilled for health benefits and medicinal purposes. Experts estimate that 80% of the commercially available essential oils on the market have been adulterated in some way, even if they say 100% pure. There's no body that's regulating these, and so you're relying on the company to make sure that all of that tests out pure for your use. So please use caution um, when you're taking them internally and even when you're putting them on your skin. Let's face it. If you can't put it in you, you shouldn't put it on you or around you, right? If we're not having a conversation about purity, we shouldn't be having a conversation about essential oils. So please use caution and work with a specialist that has experience in this area. If you're looking 
to explore the potential of essential oils for health and wellness but don't know where to start, then I want to make sure you know that I have a free 45-minute essential oils made easy virtual workshop designed just for you. Someone who's passionate about purity and living clean and green and voting with their dollars You want the best, you want the safest, you want the purest and most effective products in your home, not only as a consumer, but as a mother. I am with you. I hear you. Those are all very important to me too. Essential oils were a huge part of our health journey as a family, and they still are, of course, today. We use them every day. I don't know what we would do without our oils, honestly. I get so many messages and tags on social media for moms shouting the blessings of these plant-powered gifts God created, and I want to share a couple of those with you today, and these are all about lavender. So one mom shares, everyone has their one oil. They're stranded on a deserted island, could only bring one oil. Lavender is mine. I go through about four bottles a month. I use it every night on all the kids and my diffusers. I give the kiddos foot rubs with it and use it night and day as a face serum. The company I love, their lavender is sourced from Bulgaria and smells so unique from any other lavender out there. It's truly incredible. Here's another one. Lavender essential oil is one of my favorite go-to oils. I use it daily. I use it on bug bites to help stop itching or general skin irritations. Since I love the smell of lavender, I have added along with several other of my favorite oils and alcohol base to glass spray bottles and use as an air freshener and linen spray. Spraying the sheets, pillows, and pajamas at bedtime aids in my successful sleep routine. Adding a few drops to my bath, bottoms of my feet on my neck, and places I may smell helps me to relax further. So did you know you could be your own diffuser? Yes, you can. Just apply it to yourself. And our final one says, my daughter uses it to calm her three young children down when they are acting out and as part of her nap time and bedtime routines for them as well. Almost immediately, their behavior is greatly improved. They sometimes seem like different children. The transformation is so significant. Okay, so drugs you have for each thing, right? This is something that was kind of an aha moment for me. Like, you know things, but when you actually revisit that idea again, you're like, oh yeah, this is why I do this. So when we walked out from my daughter's wisdom teeth surgery, they gave us three prescriptions. They gave us a prescription for an antibiotic for a narcotic, um, and she's 17 years old, <laughs> and a steroid. And I looked at it and I thought in my heart, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have to really give her all of these? And so I went to my resources, my supports, and um, had feedback from dentists and dental assistants. And so I felt very, very confident not fulfilling those prescriptions. Drugs you have for each thing, right? That's why I walked out with three of them. You usually get a drug for the one thing and that's it, right? But that comes at a cost. We always have to look at the cost. There's a cost to me saying yes to that. And so I'm like, okay, well, I have these if I need them. What can I use? What tools do I have that I maybe don't have to use these? And so I love oils because they work with body systems, which all work together. And so that's why you can use them for so many different things like the pain and the inflammation and the swelling and the blood flow, the relaxation, you know, to calm her down because she's stressed. She's never had a surgery before. And so we were able to get through that entire experience with my daughter taking maybe three to four ibuprofen the entire time. And that was it. I'm so grateful. So if you've been wanting to ditch the side effects and are considering essential oils as a natural solution, but you haven't taken the leap yet, then I'd like to invite you to attend my workshop. My goal is simply to educate and empower you so that you can make an informed decision on whether essential oils are even a good fit for you and your family. This is totally no pressure. They're not for everybody, but if you'd like, if you'd like to receive a free sample and go through the workshop and make it an interactive experience, then you can opt for that in the link in the show notes. 
I'm going to teach you how to use them on your own. I'm going to help you understand the power of essential oils because it really does look like water in those bottles. And I want you to know how to use them before you even have to. I want you to be prepared. And if you've ever thought essential oils were overwhelming or complicated or they didn't work, I would probably argue that somebody didn't take the time to come up with a specific plan and how they would be helpful for you and how you would use them. Either that or the purity of the brand you tried was compromised in some way. So check out the link in the show notes to take the first steps towards getting access. They have become our go-to for almost the last decade as a first line of defense in our home, and I want to help as many mamas as I can learn there's a better way, that there's a safer, cheaper, and more effective option they can use to revolutionize their family's health care. Hey, beloved, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's podcast and you learned something new, head over to iTunes for Covered Beloved and leave a five-star review. Hit subscribe while you're there. And of course, if you have friends who would benefit from today's episode, be sure to share. Until next time, remember, God's got you covered.